welcome back to my podcast. I'm Karen McInnes, or Scottish ASN teacher, and today I'd like to spend some time talking about special interests in autism. I touched a bit on special interests in a previous podcast about changing the lingo. We talked about using the phrase special interests rather than obsessions. To give a quick recap, the basic message was that the phrase obsessions can be derogatory or demeaning. For an autistic person, having an obsession isn't as simple as just loving or enjoying something. It can be, or it could be a near constant preoccupation, whether wanted or not. To call it an obsession makes it seem like a choice when it isn't. Giving the positive phrasing of special interests allows that person to engage with their interest without judgement. Someone without autism could not begin to imagine how an autistic person feels about their special interest, but we can be respectful give them the space they need to engage with it. We can talk about it and use it as a positive social interaction. By engaging someone about their special interest, you might end up learning something new and if nothing else, you've spent time bonding and that's no small thing. If you're valuing that special, special thing, then you're building up a trusting relationship which will help when that same person is anxious or struggling. It's all about promoting these interests rather than shaming them or treating them like a nuisance. It really reflects a model based on a child's strengths, rather than using a deficit model. Let's start at the beginning with what constitutes a special interest. A special interest could be literally anything. A specific toy, a mechanism, a period of history, the possibilities really are endless. The one thing all these possibilities have in common is that they are important to someone. Someone, somewhere, has this specific thing as their special interest, and it makes up a core part of their world. Examples I've come across in my career are trains, maps, taking bikes apart and fixing them, dinosaurs, numbers, the Gruffalo, and the Tudors. All the children who exhibited one of these special interests was passionate, excited, and happy when communicating about or engaging with their interest. And nothing makes me happier than a happy child. It's important to note here that there's a difference between a special interest and stimming. Stimming is a repetitive behaviour which could be jumping, flapping hands, verbal cues or spinning amongst other things. Stimming helps deal with sensory input and processing, can be enjoyable and can help minimise anxiety or block out unwanted stimuli. A special interest is more commonly a thing or a topic. Often if a special interest relates to an item, An autistic child has a high level of attention to detail and may be highly focused on the subject or item. Most often a special interest is focused on the mechanical or how it works rather than the physiological or how people work. This links back to the need for a predictable safe routine, not unpredictable and impulsive humans. Just because something can be categorised as a special interest doesn't mean that the child can't be passionate, enthusiastic and talented in this area. By this I mean don't write something off as a special interest. Use it, incorporate it into your teaching and think about how it can help teach life skills. Use a child's expertise and watch them become more confident and brave. There's no time limit to a special interest. What's a special interest now might be old news in a few weeks. It's interesting to see how special interests can evolve and change over time. There are a number of lists available online where autistic people have listed their special interests, starting with when they're a child to the present day. One really, really important aspect to special interests is this, and if you take one thing away from this podcast, let it be this part. If a child enjoys it, it is age appropriate. 
So let's unpick that a little, especially with toys or reading materials. They're often labelled with an age or an ideal age range. We can chuck that opinion out because that's all it is, an opinion. Yes, we can have recommended ages, but realistically, do you know a single child who has followed all milestones and age recommendations religiously? It's about so much more than chronological age. Developmental level is certainly a consideration, but essentially it boils down to the fact that if someone likes something, it's appropriate for them. Avoid passing judgement on whether you think something's appropriate by vocalising an opinion such as, you're too grown up for that. At best, you're going to cause upset, and at worst, you could cause anxiety and distress based on an autistic individual taking your comment at face value. There's no one answer as to why autistic children and people have special interests. There are a number of educated explanations which I'll touch on now. One idea is that they provide structure, order and predictability and help the individual manage the uncertainties of daily life. We know that autistic children thrive in a predictable and structured environment, so this could be a way of creating that for themselves. And isn't that an excellent solution to escape the chaos of the world? Another aspect is that it gives someone a way to start conversation and feel more self-assured in social situations. Autistic children can have difficulties with their expressive and receptive language. This is part of their diagnosis. If a child can form a sort of script for a social interaction, they can apply that in a situation where they may feel anxious. And this can help reduce that anxiety and mean they feel more in control of a situation. I don't know about you, but I've had experiences in the past where I've been chatting with an autistic child and they're clearly following their own script. I'll give an example. I greeted a child one morning with, good morning, how are you? She replied, good, thank you, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Are you looking forward to a good day at school? Yes, I did, thank you, she says. I had a dinner and a bath. I carried on following her lead and ended the conversation shortly afterwards to allow her to carry on with her morning. I was worried I'd caused initial anxiety, so let the class teacher know that she might need a bit of time before starting work. When I reflected on the conversation later, I realised that I usually ask this child, did you have a nice evening or did you have a nice weekend? She had clearly prepared an answer to my usual question and I'd thrown it off when I asked something different. Something as simple and as easy to me as changing my usual question had potential to cause real distress for this child. So to sum up, conversation and social interactions can be really difficult for an autistic person. Having a list of conversation starters and a list of facts or information can give an outline for an interaction, making it predictable and safe. Talking about special interests can help someone relax and feel happy. It's the equivalent to a safe place where a child feels comfortable. They're in control and they know their subject inside out. The world is so unpredictable. Special interests are the same and predictable. It can bring a sense of calm to a chaotic world. Special interests can be another way to help an autistic child stay in their optimal window of tolerance. We've chatted a bit about this before, but to give a quick overview, we all have our optimal window of tolerance. This is our comfort zone, we are calm and settled and can regulate for small blips or inconveniences. For an autistic child, their window is smaller and harder to stay in. If we move out this window, we can move up. This displays as anger, distress, big feelings, or we can move down and this displays as withdrawn, a child who feels numb. Things that help us stay in the window or self-regulate are things like sensory integration, self-soothing strategies and stimming. Special interests can also help a child stay in their optimal window. 
They're a calming, predictable strategy which can filter out anxiety or any demands that are happening and focus attention and energy onto the positive special interest. It's a form of recharging the social battery. Social situations can cause a real drain and time is needed to reset and recharge. Special interests can simply be a way to block out negative thought patterns or anxiety. If all of the child's focus is on the special interest, it doesn't leave any energy for a negative thought. Engaging with special interests can help improve and model social interactions and attention and focus. Some autistic children may have pets or dolls as a special interest. These do not present a socially complex partner and can provide for low stress interactions. Essentially, special interests provide sensory stimulation, opportunities for categorisation, cause and effect, and are predictable and safe. For an autistic child, as with any child, it's important to celebrate successes. So why not use this special interest to boost success? Instead of fighting against a special interest, use it and work with it. Yes, you might be fed up talking about photography or dolls, but when you take a minute to think how amazing that child feels, knowing that you care and will take the time to share an interest with them, then it becomes much easier to have that engagement again. Try not to use special interests as a reward. I'm not a fan of working towards rewards with an ASN anyway, as I don't think an extrinsic motivator works well within this setting. And some children won't ever make the link between the reward and the work. This is in the same vein that I never use consequences to discourage a particular behaviour or action. A consequence just doesn't work if a child cannot make the connection between the preceding behaviour and the result. Developmentally, the children I work with and have worked with are they not at the stage of being able to link that together? It all circles back to theory of mind. I'm purposefully not commenting on a mainstream setting here, mainly because it's not my area of expertise and I don't think I'm very qualified to comment. This is also an example of setting children up to fail if they're never able to gain the reward through no fault of their own, for example, distressed behaviours due to sensory overload. Instead of offering a special interest as a reward after a demand or activity, try to incorporate it throughout the activity. If a child's special interest is trains, could they have a train whilst completing a maths job? If a child enjoys a certain type of music, could they listen through headphones whilst doing their literacy jobs? If you go with the reward strategy, you're essentially dangling a special interest in front of a child, yet expecting them to fully focus elsewhere. Think of something you really, really enjoy. Now imagine I dangled that in front of you whilst expecting you to do your tax return. Would that be an accurate tax return or would you be rushing and distracted? Compromise with the child, incorporate their interests into their activities and watch their focus and enthusiasm blossom. Get out of the mindset that you're giving in to a child somehow by allowing them to have the thing they like. Remember that they are a little child. You're not in a power struggle with them. And if you try, I guarantee you'll not win. Some of my autistic learners are the most determined people I know and I would not recommend going toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Be the adult, maintain that positive relationship you've worked so hard to create and allow compromises to enable your pupil to feel safe and be able to access their learning. One way we can incorporate a special interest into a child's day is to give them access to it in the form of a choose. So a child's timetable would have an activity, then a choose, activity and choose. The choose is the consistent next. This is a really good way to help support an autistic child to self-regulate rather than have the fizzy juice bottle effect. Let me take a minute to explain. In this analogy, the child is a bottle of fizzy juice. 
Every blip, every minor inconvenience, every issue shakes the bottle. Nothing in itself will cause a reaction, but it shakes the bottle. That child goes home to their safe place, takes off the lid and whoosh, the bottle explodes. So imagine that for every shake, we need to regulate. It again reflects back to that optimal window of tolerance. For every blip that edges us out the window, we need some self-regulation to get back to the centre. If we counteract every demand with a relax, we can help a child regulate themselves. So if a work job is a demand, the child then needs time to regulate, in this case with a choose. A choose can be any preferred item, but if we're incorporating a special interest, it can be really especially calming and settling for a child. If you continue this pattern of demand choose throughout the day, we can avoid all the demands building up and causing stress and anxiety later on. How many times have you spoken to a parent and heard how stressful their evening's been and yet your day with the child has been amazing? It's the fizzy juice effect and the child waiting until they're in their safe place to take the lid off. Actively work to combat this by offering those regular chooses. You can use a timer in conjunction with the timetable, but do remain flexible in case a child needs a bit more time before moving on to the new activity. Remember this isn't the reward, it's a vital part of an autistic child's day. Rewards are earned and contingent on behaviour. Chooses are regular, predictable and not contingent on behaviour. Chooses cannot be earned and therefore cannot be taken away. Imagine a child who was reliant on having access to their preferred item to self-regulate during a choose and that choose was removed. We're just back to shaking the bottle. Worse still, we are the ones doing the shaking and that's not okay. Just as a quick aside, when I refer to preferred items for a choose, I mean a box of items a child enjoys, maybe puzzles, a particular book, colouring items. This shouldn't include any items a child relies on for self-regulation, for example, a chewy or a weighty blanket. These should be available whenever a child needs them and aren't contingent on an activity being finished. Alternatively, if we're thinking creatively, we can work out how to support a child to work through an activity whilst also giving them access to their preferred item. Using dinosaurs as an example here, what can't you teach using dinosaurs? Numeracy, counting dinosaurs, using dinosaur pictures to illustrate adding and subtracting. You could have a dinosaur shop and incorporate money handling. With literacy, you could be reading stories about dinosaurs, writing descriptive pieces about them. Remember here that reading and writing using symbols is still reading and writing. If you're thinking, my class just aren't at that reading and writing stage, that's okay. Colourful semantics is an excellent way of constructing sentences for children who aren't writing yet. Use symbols to create a story for a child to read. For talking and listening skills, we've hit the jackpot using special interests. No encouragement will be needed to communicate about a child's best thing. Create communication opportunities. Model communication using whichever strategy a child uses. Do they use pecs? Practice an exchange with a dinosaur toy. The child uses pod. Model a description of a toy dinosaur or a photo. Child uses AAC. Use it to model a conversational exchange. Add the vocabulary to a child's device and watch them run with it. For health and well-being, why not use dinosaurs to express your different emotions? We could create a story with dinosaurs practicing life skills and then copy them. Things like washing dishes, getting dressed, doing the shopping. The possibilities are genuinely endless. Then you have to think big. What career can you envisage for this child incorporating a special interest? For an autistic child, their special interest can be so motivating and calming 
So find a role they could participate in and really enjoy, then work backwards. For example, if a child really enjoys trains, what bit do they enjoy? Is it the motion of the train? Is it the ticket purchasing? This could then be translated to a role, for example, a ticket inspector. So let's look at money handling. Let's look at train timetables. Let's practice using tickets. Incorporate life skills, incorporate that special interest, and let's build the scaffold for as independent a future as possible. I think as a society, we have a great chance to play to the strengths of our neurodiverse learners and work out where they would shine. Also remember that autistic children thrive on routine and predictability. If they can take on a role which is also repetitive, it will help them feel calm, safe and secure in that role. There are so many examples of people who've really channeled their focus and determination from a special interest and have used it to shine in their field. It's important here to clarify that not all autistic children are going to be outstanding in their field. They are children with a wide range of ability, just like neurotypical peers. However, we can show children examples of high-profile autistic people to give them role models and show that special interests can be a real asset. Don't just talk about these people with autistic children. Talk to your whole class, your whole school about them. Share the information. You may have children who think that autism is a real barrier to jobs and adult life. Autism isn't the barrier. Society is. And if we can educate this young generation about this issue, then they can be working with us to effect change for their friends and their generation. So let's look at some examples. Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon, has openly spoken about his diagnosis of autism. He stated in an interview that as a small child, his special interest was collecting bugs, and then as a teenager, it was arcade games. He then combined all of that exceptional knowledge into one of the most successful games in the world. Imagine if his adults hadn't encouraged his bug collecting when he was little. We then have one of my heroes, Temple Grandin. For those of you who aren't familiar with her, she's an autism advocate and an animal behaviourist. Her special interest as a young person was farm animals, in particular cows. There's a famous backstory of her spending time on her aunt's farm and observing cow behaviour, especially noting how they were calmed in a crush. For the non-farmers amongst us, a crush is a large metal device that's used to hold animals, commonly for a vet examination or treatment. Temple, as an autistic person who enjoyed deep pressure, tried the crush and then proceeded to build her own squeeze machine. Temple now travels the world as a renowned speaker on both animal behaviour and autism. I would highly recommend looking her up, reading some of her literature or finding her on YouTube. There are some great videos of her speaking. I could truly listen to her for hours. Another incredible person I wanted to mention who has followed her special interests all the way is Greta Thunberg. Greta is a climate change activist who has discussed how her calling began as a special interest. Greta is a truly amazing young person who has done so much already in her life. She is determined, honest and articulate and the world would be a much poorer place if her special interest hadn't been supported by her family. As a parent of an autistic child, you will know your child's special interest inside out. There are ways you can work with it too, such as sourcing books or toys relating to the special interest, carving out time to talk about it, letting friends and family know, especially if there's an upcoming holiday, so presence can be really meaningful to that special interest. If there's a social club or a space relating to the special interest available, sign your child up. This could be an amazing way of helping teach your child social and communication skills with a peer. 
in a relaxed setting where they feel confident and comfortable and they'll have a great time amongst their fellow experts. By engaging with special interests, we have an amazing opportunity to promote and boost self-esteem for a child who may not have experienced high self-esteem in their lives. There's a lot of reading material available online about how autistic children may have lower self-esteem than their peers, struggle with self-image and feel like they don't fit in. These are all things that I've observed time and time again with the children I work with and really noticeably in autistic children who are in mainstream education. By using special interests, we can help create a space for that child to feel confident, safe and build on their sense of self. As a teacher, we can lead that enthusiasm and encouragement from the other children. If we are positive about a particular child, the rest of the class will pick up on this and mirror our actions and words. If we are negative, this will cause negativity amongst peers too. We have such influence, so it's important to take care with our words, tone and body language. A simple throwaway comment, oh he's always playing with that Lego, can have such far-reaching consequences, not only for the child playing with the Lego, who now thinks their special interest isn't worthwhile, but for the other children who overheard and think that judging someone based on one moment is now acceptable. How about instead saying, wow, they're playing with the Lego again, they're so good at creating new things. Do you think we could go and investigate what they're doing? Our language choices are so, so important and you can make a huge difference just by picking your words carefully. When I first spoke about special interests on my Instagram page, a colleague got in touch with a lovely story about how she refers to them as passions. This is another really positive way to speak about interests and give them the credit and the gravity they deserve. One thing they really said stuck with me, which was, I wish we could help them de develop their passions in a way that helps their mental health rather than shaming. This is so important. The charity Mind published a document to support mental health in autistic people and the accompanying research suggested that up to 70% of their autistic participants were also at risk of anxiety or depression. This is a huge percentage. Autistic children do not need our help to demean their mental health. What these children need is support, love and someone who advocates for them and their special interests. I'm not suggesting we can solve this problem by simply engaging more with special interests, but it's not going to make things worse. We can all help by taking tiny steps in the right direction to help autistic children cope better with their mental health. As I was finalising my material for today, I came across a picture under the Actually Autistic hashtag. It said, I love my hobbies. Don't pathologise my hobbies as special interests. I thought this was really interesting to include, as a neurotypical child would always have a special interest referred to as a hobby. It wouldn't be considered as part of their neurotype. So should it be given this much importance for a neurodiverse child? It would automatically be nurtured, time dedicated to it, and looking forward to a child's career path as a hobby. So why isn't this automatically the case for special interests too? For me, I think the difference between a hobby and a special interest is the level of expertise and the calming effect a special interest can produce, not the neurotype behind it. But that's just my current opinion. As always, I'm listening and learning from the neurodivergent community and would love to hear your thoughts and opinions. Thanks so much for listening today. I really appreciate you being here. It's such a pleasure to be able to connect with the wider ASN and education community. Do get in touch and let me know what you thought of the podcast. I'm on Instagram as Scottish ASN Teacher or find me on Twitter as Karen N. McInnes. <laughs> <laughs>